Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. Well, have you know, I did not try to shoot the apple with my bow out of, uh, out of uh, Dom's hand, but, and I didn't win the bow shoot, but I did win the 100-yard shot. Come on now, that's pretty impressive with the bow. But I was defeated by other people. And I broke an arrow. Anyway, so I'm, I'm bitter about that. Anyway, I'm looking forward to this morning. And, uh, and so anyway, obviously, if you look around, it's looking pretty full. By the way, the same number of chairs are in here than were before. And next week, we will have more chairs. We're just waiting for them to show up in a truck. Anyway, uh, so, so we're, we're making room for the fall. How many of you are excited to see our whole church family come together this fall? I'm looking forward to it. So... We're planning to start our third service in October, and, and, and I think when we add more chairs to here, we'll be able to do that, but man, God is good, isn't he? Isn't he good? So anyway, I'm looking forward to today. Uh, last week, we started a series called Life As We Know It, and, and I made the statement uh, at the start of last week, and I said, life as we know it is no longer life as we know it, Right? Everything has changed. The things that our new generation are going to experience um, growing up are completely different than the things that that you and I grew up with. And and things have been changing so quickly, it's incredible. Um, We're seeing moral values being villainized and immorality being glorified. It's incredible to see that in our society today. See, basically God or the morals that we base our lives on good morals being, being made irrelevant in life as we know it. And so this week and next week, we're going to look at some of the things that society teaches and contrast those things to the things that God says in the same, in the same way. So I'm, again, I'm really looking forward to today's topic, but before I go there, why don't we pray? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much. For this day, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you've laid this on my heart, and, and Lord, that it's, that it's for a purpose. And I, I, Lord, I thank you that the timing, I think, is right for, for the things we're going to talk about this week and next week. Lord, give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and, and minds that desire to live for you. And, and give us direction today and help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So today... Uh, I want to talk about the subject of romance. Romance. Everybody go, ooh. The guys did it louder than the girls there, by the way. <laughs> Anytime a guy can make it like that kind of noise in a high pitch, they do it. I don't know why it is. It's weird. So, um, so you know, not many people would look at, at the Bible as much of a romance book, right? You don't look at God's word. Like when, when you're going to look for sources for how, how to romance your lady or, or, or how to be romantic with your man, you don't, you don't think, oh, I'm going to go to God's word, right? Because that says basically, or we feel like that says that we shouldn't romance, right? Because it's all a bunch of rules about being straight and narrow, right? But, but, but what is romance really focused on? It's an L word. Love, right? And who is God. God is love, right? And the whole book is really teaching us how to live like love, like God. It's the greatest romance novel ever written. The entire Bible is is teaching you how to to learn or how to be love, like God God is. So, So let's talk love today. Can we do that? Wow, people seem really hesitant today. They're like, 
you know why you seem hesitant? Because you're afraid you've got it wrong. Anyway, so, so what, is, what is romance? What does this society say about romance and, and romantic love? Well, really, um, the way that society sees it is that they teach us, teach us that romance is what should define your relationship. That it is how romantic your relationship feels is how good your relationship is. And and that's a major lie. That's a real problem. Society teaches the test drive theory. Anybody heard of that? That we should try before we buy, right? We should we should take it for a spin around the block real quick before we decide to you know to to put the money down and make the commitment. Like like society's way of thinking is is that we should we should like test things before we should commit to things. Like think think about it think about it this way. The way that society teaches us relationships should grow is basically this: we should start by meeting someone. And then we should sleep together. And you're like, whoa, what? Well, and then after sleeping together, then we should decide if we should date. And, and then, bef- then after we, we date for a little while, we should move in together to see if living together is a good idea. And then after we've lived together for a while, then we should decide to make commitment to living together and get married. Now you're all looking at me going, oh man, that's so bad. But it's the reality of what society says we should do, right? That's what they're teaching everybody. That's what, that's what many of you in this place are in right now, right? It, it's true. And, and this has become normal. So like most every wedding that I do uh, nowadays, the couple is, is living together and sleeping together. Almost every, I mean, I don't know in the last couple years where, where I've sat down with a couple and said, are you living together? And they've said no. And, and are you sleeping together? And they've said, no, no, it, the answers are yes. It's because, and, and guys, honestly, it's, it's, I would say it's at no fault to them, but it is because we're, we, are, we are drinking the Kool-Aid that, that society is giving us, right? We, we are following along with the path of what, what our cultural situation is teaching us to do. But, but God's word is, is majorly different than what society says, isn't it? It's amazing that our dollar still says in God we trust, right? Because society teaches us that we should not be trusting God, that we should be trusting ourselves, and they say we should be trusting the government. But, uh, but anyway, like usually romance gets equated with sex, right? And I'm sorry if you have your young children in here. We have children, uh, children's area. Um, Why, that's why we have it, people. Uh, all five of mine are back there. <laughs> but, but that's not what romance is about. Actually, even by definition, that's not what romance is. Did you know that? Like, we talk about romance novels, and romance novels are just all about sex. But that's not what romance even is, even by the world's definition of what romance is. So romance defined as this, a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. That is, the, that is the book definition of romance. I'll say it again. A feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. So being romance, to put it into action, is when you experience the feeling of excitement and maybe some mystery, <laughs> that, that a person who loves you really loves you. 
And that's not just found in the act of having sex together. Like, that's, the world says that we should meet and then we should, we should, you know, have sex and then we should, so then find out if there's romance between the two of us and then we should date. Well, the dating process is the romance. The, the sex is what's supposed to happen later, right? The sex is the commitment to the romance, right? And commitment shouldn't come, you know, the commitment should come through the process. It's more, it's more, romance is more the process than the product, right? So anyway, um, you know, I think we ruin a lot of God's fun. I think we ruin a lot of his fun. We are fun suckers, people. <laughs> like, like when, we try, when we decide that we are going to try before we buy, we're ruining all of God's fun. Like, God's joy is to see us grow in relationship together and to see us, you know, doing things the way he wants it and, and all the awkward moments that come along with that. And then when we just jump right in right away, we, we fast forward all, uh, all of the fun that God gets to have helping us grow together, right? Because he loves to see his children successfully living according to his word. And when we just throw that out the window, we're fun suckers for God. Fun suckers for God. That's our new slogan. Mission statement of the church, right? Love, love is a process. So let me, let me maybe make this process make more sense to you. Like when we try before we buy in our relationships, all the excitement happens too fast. We fast forward past all the things that really help us to commit to one another and then have relationships that last a long time. And, and let me explain it this way. Have you ever uh, tried to microwave a hot dog? <laughs> have you? Nod your head yes if you have. Okay, every person, almost in the entire room. You know, hot dogs aren't very good in the first place. And, uh, and, but but let, we'll, use it, we'll use this analogy. So, you know, you don't want to wait for it to cook on the grill. You don't want to have to, you know, boil water. Some people, my dad always boiled hot dogs in water. That's a terrible decision. And if you do that, just stop right now, okay? <laughs> don't ever do that. That's gross, all right? That's probably how they cooked them in the first place. And you, you just reheat them then. Just forget it. Um, so anyway, so you throw the hot dog in, in the microwave. Does it work? Does it cook the hot dog? Yeah, and it does it really fast, right? But it looks nasty. The ends, you know, go on the ends like that. <laughs> That's terrible. You're wa- you, they say you shouldn't put your face up to the thing, but you are because you're waiting because you don't want the ends to explode, so it look, you make it look nasty. You're like, not right now. Okay, open the door. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, I can't touch it. It's hot. Okay. It looks nasty, it doesn't taste that great, and it's really not that satisfying, right? You, well, you could say that about hot dogs in general, but, but grilling a hot dog, you go out there and you light the grill, and it's, it starts to burn that old nasty stuff that you didn't scrape off the grill, grill last time, <laughs> and you smell that, and it reminds you of a steak, Right? And summer, and like the feeling of summer and the grill, and it's, oh, mmm, it's so good. And then, you, and then you get the hot dogs out, and you put them on the grill, and you and you're like, oh, yeah, they're cooking now. And, you, and you, you open the grill, and you turn that baby over and see the grill marks, and you're like, yeah, it's perfect. And you put it down again. You stand for another minute, and you're smelling the grill, and it's so good. And now you're like, you're anticipating the hot dog, right? This nasty pink piece of meat. <laughs> like, but, but you're excited. And so, so you, you open it, you turn it again. Oh, yeah. 
And then you're looking at it. Okay, which side isn't perfectly? Oh, okay, turn it right there one more time. And then after about 15 minutes that it took you to do the whole thing, you pull the hot dog off and you got the bun and you, take, and you put it on the bun and you slather it in something that you really like that makes a hot dog taste like whatever you put on top of it, not a hot dog. <laughs> and you eat the hot dog and, and you're satisfied. Do you see all the things that you missed out on when you just threw it in the microwave? You see all the things that you could have experienced that really actually make eating a hot dog really the only enjoyable part of it is to grill it. (laughs) You see, you get what I'm saying? So translate hot dogs right into sex and relationship, right? When you, when you, yeah, laugh it up. (laughs) Do you think I didn't do that on purpose? Do you? I'm no dummy here, people. I work all, I work all week on these things. I'm just saying you miss out on so much when you move so fast. You miss out on all the things that really make the experience great that make you really enjoy the experience, that make you excited about next time. Like, you miss out on that. Why do you think so many people are hurt today? How many women, don't raise your hands, but how many women in the world today are afraid of a relationship and don't trust any men? How many men only see women as as an object? Why do you think that is? That's because we're so busy moving ahead and trying before we buy that we never take the time to actually experience something with somebody and have commitment and, and, and anticipate what God really wants us to anticipate. Like, this is not supposed to be a fast process, people. Like all the college kids that are back today, and you're probably thinking, I'm going to meet my spouse at college. Good Lord, just learn something while you're here. <laughs> Marry somebody later. We, because if, you're, if that's your whole goal and it's all about how fast you can get married, you're going to miss out on the process that God has for your life. So, so enjoy the process. The, the most famous scripture about love is found in 1 Corinthians. Uh, this, you guys probably have all heard this. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this, though I don't use it in my weddings, so whatever. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says this, You know it, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. None of those things seem like rush-into-it kind of things, do they? If you think about all those things I just said, not one of those seems like something that you should hurry into. And it says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, it always perseveres. Last week, I talked about being an individual and that God's overall desire for you is to be in relationship with someone else, to be completed by finding a spouse. He who finds a wife, guys, finds what is good. And, and that two should become one flesh and all that stuff, which is great. But God never said it was a quick process. He never said we should be, that should be our only goal in life or that we should rush into it. As well, society has been teaching us that life is all about ourselves, that, that we are supposed to be all about ourselves. But the Bible is all about God, and God is what, L word? 
love. And when the Bible talks about love, it doesn't seem to have a whole lot to do about ourselves, does it? It really doesn't. Society has taught us that it's about ourselves and and what we get out of life, what we get out of our marriages, men and women today who are married. Like it's got to be about what we get. Like romance, love, and marriage have become all about what we want. And when we are unsatisfied, the romance, the way we think or we define romance, disappears. Because you can't have romance if you're not being satisfied. Well, Again, that's not even what romance is all about. And, And so what happens is when the romance or the way we feel about romance disappears, we start looking for what we think romance is somewhere else. And we move on. So I want to look again at, uh, at that scripture, what God says love is. And I want to uh, really look at what godly romance looks like through that scripture. So I'm going to take a few minutes and do that. Um, I want to break it down. First, I'll read it the way that it's written uh, again, and then I'm, I'm going to translate it. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5, follow along. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not... Self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. And now I'm going to translate it into a different version of the Bible. This is called the what does that mean I am supposed to do version of the Bible, okay? (laughs) What does that mean I am supposed to do? Because we read these things and we think, oh yeah, love, right. But then we never translate that to our lives. And, and often I need this version of the Bible. It's not a real version of the Bible. I made it up this week. So anyway, um, so I wanna, but I, but I want to maybe put this scripture into context for you. So uh, they're going to have the scripture kind of follow along, starting uh, with verse 4 again. And I'm going to look at each one of these things. First one is love is patient. What does that mean? That means love waits until others are ready before moving ahead. We could just preach that one based on relationship. Love waits until others or the other person is ready before charging on ahead. Second one is love is kind. Love treats people in a way that they will enjoy being treated. Like you're thinking, wait a second, this isn't romance. It sure is. Think about this within relationship. Third one is uh, love does not envy. Love does not need to have everything all the time. It is not about you. Love does not boast. These two, boast and proud, I think are really interesting. First one, love does not boast. Love doesn't make others feel that they have less. Boast, love does not make others feel, uh, or, or sorry, proud. Love does not make others feel like they are less. See that when we boast, we make other people feel like they are lesser than we are. Like they don't matter as much as we do. And when we are proud, We make other people feel as though they are not as great as we are, like they are less. See, those two things are really dangerous in a relationship because they can sure put a wall between you and your spouse or you and your significant other. So um, the next one is love does not dishonor. So love lifts others up. Love is not self-seeking. Love seeks out people, doesn't seek itself. You shouldn't seek yourself. Love seeks out other people in order to lift them up. Love is not easily angered. Love is level-headed, right? And of course, I'm talking about this this week, and, uh, and I get in a big, huge fight with my wife. <laughs> like, terrible. 
I'm like, Lord, why do you do this to me? I'm working on a message about love and I end up in a big argument with my own wife and, and I'm thinking about this one that says, love does, is not easily angered and, and I wrote the words, love is level-headed and I'm like, you know, like, and I have to remind myself, like God's word says, love is level-headed and I need to, I need to be level-headed and not be out there because I can, I can ruin this relationship really fast if I can't control my anger. Love is not easily angered. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, people. Many of you right now need to turn to your spouse and ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. Many of you. All of these things, as simple as they seem, are what romance is in your marriage. You've heard people say marriage isn't 50-50, it's 100-100. If you'll give 100% to your spouse and they give 100% to you, you'll have the marriage that will last a lifetime. And that is so true. Doing these things is giving 100% to your spouse all the time. It's not about you, it's about them, right? That's what romance is. Remember what I said the definition of romance was at the beginning? Let me, let me find it again so I can read it. Uh, and have it right. Romance defined as a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. So being romance is when you experience the feeling of excitement and maybe mystery that a person who loves you really loves you. Putting those things that God has in 1 Corinthians into action will produce the feeling to your significant other that even though you say you love them, you really truly show you love them. That's romance. Showing the other person that you love them. But that's completely opposite of the way the world sees it. So many people are losing their marriages because they have all made it about themselves. Today I was going to talk about what a marriage relationship should look like. I was going to pull scriptures out of Ephesians where it says, you know, husbands do this, wives do this, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. I don't need to do that because 1 Corinthians, if we'll put those things into practice, all those other things just happen. All the other things that God wants for your marriage, all the, the way that you're supposed to treat your spouse, all that stuff, it just happens when you put into action the love of God in your marriage or in your relationship. Dating, whatever. College kids that are back, you're going to school, you're going to you know, hopefully find somebody to love. That's awesome. But if you, will, if you will employ the things that God says about love, you will end up with much stronger relationships in the end. Remember at the beginning I talked about how society sees the order of relationships. Start by meeting, then sleeping together, then dating, then moving in together, then marriage. Basically romance, then commitment. God's way is different. Commitment, then romance. You meet, you date, you marry. Then sex and moving in together can happen at one time. Because you literally can walk in. And... Do what you got to do. <laughs> See, this way, of, this way of living, this way of, of really romancing one another, this is how commitment happens. This is how lifelong relationships happen. Marriages are falling apart in this world today, and, and young people are, are falling victim to the end of marriage because of a lot of these things. And it's funny, I, I, we go to the, 
I had a wedding yesterday, but, but this didn't happen at this one because left, left, my wife and I left before I think they got to it. But you know how they always do the dance where they have everybody come on the dance floor and they say, well, if you've been married 20 years or less, get off the dance floor. And they work their way down to like one couple, right, who's been married for like 57 years. And everybody's like, woo, you know, that's amazing. I'm, I wonder when my kids get married, how many people are going to be on the dance floor? And if we're going to be cheering for people who've been married for only 30 years, no offense to you, I know 30 years is a long time. We're, we're like 10 and a half, you know, that's not that long anymore. But, but at the same time, I wonder if there will be people on the dance floor who've made it for more than 30 years. Because the people that are, are up on the dance floor now at 57 years are the people who grew up in a society that actually taught good moral values, that said, this is the way, and the, God's way is the way that you should go through relationship. Like, to do, to, to do it, what our current world situation, to try before you're by, like, your dad beat you up, guys. Like, like, if you found out that you were jumping the gun, he's like, you know, take you out back and whip you, right? And then you learn, like, that's not the way you do it. And you're all like, oh my gosh, he's talking about abuse. No, I'm not. I'm talking about discipline. And I don't, and, and I, we, you know, we don't whip our kids, but, uh, but I'm just saying the way it was back then was living morally according to the word of God. And those people that are dancing on the dance floor almost every time have strong faith, grew up in strong faith, and chose to do it God's way. And that is why their marriages have lasted. Not, not for any other reason. And, and so can we be a people that, that, have decided in our minds to live for Christ and to do things God's way. Next week, I'm going to talk about leaving a legacy. You know you can't leave a legacy if you don't live a life of integrity and honor worthy of leaving a legacy for. Joey sang that song from Friends, I'll Be There For You. The song's really about a form of love, right? It's about caring about somebody else Loving somebody else, putting somebody else above y- yourself. That's what we should do in our marriage and our dating romantic relationships each and every day. All right? Good? All right. You'll remember that hot dog thing. <laughs> Mark my words. Next time you have a hot dog, you'll remember it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for joy because, honestly, Lord, this morning was an awesome morning of laughter and, and fun, but being in your word and, and learning. Father, I pray that today some of the people who are here who are struggling in their relationships or who currently feel like their main goal in life is to try to find a spouse or maybe have employed the world's way of romance, of relationship, trying before you buy, and they and it just is not working. Lord, for each and every one of us who's dealing with one of these issues that, that came up today, Lord, I pray that you give us direction, that you speak to us. Lord, I pray that already in this service today, you've been speaking to the hearts of the people here, helping us to realize that there's a life to live that is so, mu- so much more righteous than the way that we think we're living, from the way that we're doing things. 
Lord, I pray that you instill in the hearts of each and every one of us the, the desire to live the life that you have for us, not to live our own desires, but to live your desires so that we can see your kingdom come and that we get to live in that kingdom and that we get to experience the blessings of being a son or a daughter of Christ, part of the family of God, receiving the benefits of having a father who loves us, a father who provides for us, cares for us. With everybody's heads bowed today, if, if you're here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never asked him to be your savior or to be your God, and you're here today and you'd like to do that, you'd like to, you'd like to have relationship with God, and maybe you don't even know exactly what that means today if you're here for the first time, but you're, you're interested and you feel something in you that's pulling you towards that. Today, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, first off, you know that you're going to heaven. You, you become a, a child of God according to the word. You, you begin a life that has a purpose beyond the life that you're currently living. And you get to receive the benefits of what God wants to give you as being one of his sons or one of his daughters. But it all has to do with commitment from you, a decision to say, I make you Lord, and I'll live for you each and every day. If you're here and you want to make that decision, you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord, to be saved, right where you're seated, just everybody's eyes closed, just slip your hand up. Is there anybody who wants to accept Jesus today? I'll wait a few seconds here. The Lord is pulling on your heart. Don't be shy today. Allow him to lead you. All right. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we can have fun talking about sometimes tough subjects. I pray that you give us wisdom in our relationships as we walk through life, out these doors, and into the world to experience all the things that you have for us. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.